Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house. We thank you for the privilege to hold your word. We thank you for the freedoms we have in our country of being able to do this today. Lord, we do pray for our country. We're in great need of revival. And so we pray that that would come and begin it, Lord, in us, begin it in our church. And I pray that we would see you working in our midst and uh, us working for you as we serve you in this world. We thank you, Lord, for children. We thank you for the blessing that they are. And I ask that you might help us as we emphasize uh, children and our responsibility to them. And I pray that you'd use the message to speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for giving us the privilege to serve you. Blessed today we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's probably never been a time when this command of the Lord was more needed, at least in the United States. Suffer little children to come unto me, which means allow little children to come unto me. Permit them to come. Don't hinder them. Allow them to come. Today we see an all-fronts attack upon our children. The world, the flesh, and the devil are teamed up together to keep our children from Jesus. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Let's consider that for this a little bit this morning. First of all, let's consider the flesh. Children are born sinners, so their desire is to keep them from Jesus because they're sinners. Jesus is perfect, and a sinner does not want to be next to perfect. And so just naturally, children uh, will drift away from the Lord, will, will not want to go to the Lord because their flesh keeps them from it. When they are young, their flesh tells them that their, their flesh, which is their sin nature, their sin nature tells them that uh, they don't need God. Their sin, sin nature tells them pretty early on that that's true, and it's emphasized in various ways. First of all, they want their own way. They don't want somebody else telling them what to do. Now, you might have perfect children but, and beautiful children, but true of children, of your children and my children and everyone else's children, that all of them are born with a sin nature, and from the womb they go forth speaking lies. I don't say that. God says that. So from the womb, they are, they are sinners, and they want their own way. So when a child is young, even when they're babies, it's not unusual for them to want their own way and to cry when they don't get their way. And as they get a little bit older, they want what they want. They want the, the food they want. They want the toys they want. They want the things that they want. And so you go through the store and they're saying, Mommy, get me this. Mommy, get me that. Uh, they're wanting their own way. And when they're told no, they don't like to be told no. <laughs> And uh, a child will say, yes, I want it anyway. But we say, no, that's their sin nature. They want their own way. And so that's a child. Now, as they grow older, they also begin to, or they, 
they succumb to their sin nature. Their sin nature tells them what to do. And their sin nature tells them to rebel against authority. So you have had children and they are grown now. You look back and you know that's true. That your children, at, even at a young age, start to rebel against authority. Where did that start? It started with mom and dad. Mom and dad were authority. And mom and dad said, don't do this. And they rise up in rebellion against it. And I've, you've been to stores and seen it happen. You know, kids just throwing a fit in, in public because they don't get their way. They're rebelling against authority. They also desire to have their peers to, to uh, agree with, or rather to approve of them. And so they'll seek the pleasure of, or the approval of their peers. That's normal for a young person, especially when they're, young, when they're teenagers. And when they're teenagers, they also, their sin nature does something else, and that is it will cause them to want immorality. Oh, yes, that's true. Your teenagers, uh, because they're developing, they actually want immorality. That's the sin nature. It's a natural thing. It's a wrong thing, but it's the sin nature. And they will want to reject uh, teaching that's contrary to that. And so teenagers will sometimes rebel against a parent telling them this is wrong, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't go there. And the pastor that tells them that, they'll rebel against that. That's their sin nature. What am I saying? The sin nature will do all it can to keep them from Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, let the children come. Allow them to come. But the sin nature will try to keep that from happening. And then the world. The world will encourage your youth to stay away from Jesus, and they'll use several. And the world uses several methods to do that. They'll, the world will provide the wrong friends, and you know you've had teenagers. You all you've all fought with that, and that is the wrong friends. You know they're the wrong friends. As parents, you know that. But the world is providing those wrong friends. The world wants your children not to come to Jesus, but to go away from Him. The world will encourage ungodly music. We see it all the time. Uh, Ungodly music. The lyrics and the music. It was true back years ago. It's true today, probably more so today. And they're they're more graphic today. But the lyrics and the music today, much of it is so ungodly. Where does that come from? That comes from the world. The world is trying to keep those kids away from Jesus. It will incur- the world will encourage immoral dress. Why is that? Try to keep them away from Jesus. It will encourage ungodly lifestyles like drinking and using tobacco and drugs and uh, the immorality and all of that. The world will do that. The world uses education. Education today will try to keep your kids away from Jesus. Our whole public school system will do all it can as a, as a whole, now there are teachers that are exceptions. I thank the Lord for those teachers. But the whole uh, public school system is, is geared really by the devil to try to keep kids away from Jesus. I believe a mistake was made many, many, many years ago when education became public. It used to be that the parents and the community was in charge of that. And they got together and churches, many schools were started in churches. And then they decided that it would be public education. And now from public, it's become government education. We don't have public education anymore. We have government education. And what's the government education trying to do? It's not trying to lead them to Jesus. 
It's trying to keep them away from, from, from Jesus. And uh, the public education system will, keep, will cause them to deny the creation account of the Bible and accept evolution. They'll, it'll cause them to deny God's pattern for marriage. And uh, that was decided by adults, and the Supreme Court sort of okayed it. And, uh, but uh, those on, on down in the, in the education system, they're pushing that as well. And so our children are, be, trying to be, are being told that. They'll deny God's uh, order of two genders. They'll try to tell our young people they're not two genders. Well, what is that rebellion against? That's a rebellion against God. Because God said he made them male and female. And God made that. But the world wants to say, no, there's more than that. And our kids are encouraged to think that just because you're biological male doesn't mean you have to be a biological male. You want to be a girl, you can be a girl. Well, no, you can't. But the educational system will teach that. What are they trying to do? Well, the end result of all of it is they're trying to keep them away from Jesus. Also, they'll promote socialism and Marxism, which is happening today. It's, it's happening today through the, through the um, uh, critical race theory. Critical race theory, you hear a lot about it. It's CRT. And uh, it's really a, a Marxism thing. And what they're trying to do is to get classes of people pitted against each other. So critical race theory teaches that if you're white, you're sort of supreme, you know, and you're the one, you're the one that's over everybody else, and the, the, uh, the ones of different color are under that, and they're trying to tell you if you're white that that's not right for you to be that, and uh, if, you're co- if you're of a different color, then they're trying to tell you, well, the whites are against you. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to divide our country, divide and conquer. If you divide us, then you'll be able to conquer us. And that's what they want to do. They want to be in charge, and there are certain elites that want to be in charge of our, of our whole system, and in fact, of the world. And they'll do everything they can. That's happening within the educational system, and it's happening in our public schools. They're, in our public schools, they're defending and promoting abortion. All of that is against God. It's against the Scripture. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to get people to think a certain way that they will think, we don't need Jesus, we don't want Jesus, because Jesus tells us the opposite is true. And so they don't want to be around Jesus. They don't want to be close to Jesus. They're trying to keep them from Jesus. The news media today slants the news to be in favor of, of liberal progressive thought and ridicules Christians, and ridicules Christianity, and the news media is part of the world. So the flesh and the world are trying to keep kids from Jesus. And then there's Satan. Satan. He uses the world. He uses the flesh. And behind the scenes, he's working to keep people from Jesus. Now, why would Satan want to do that? Well, you probably, I mean, you know that he does. But why would he want to do that? I'll give you three reasons, and I'm sure there are more. But here's three reasons that Satan would want to keep people from Jesus, keep children from Jesus. First of all, they carry God's image. Every child carries the image of God. We're made in the image of God. So children are so much different than any animals. They have God's image. They have uh, intellect, and they have emotion, and they have will. And they have the image of God. 
Well, the devil doesn't like the image of God because the devil hates God, so the devil is against anybody with the image of God, and that includes all of the children, that includes all of you. So that's one reason he's against children, is because they bear God's image, and he doesn't like that image. And so the devil would like to get people down acting like animals because he doesn't like the image of God. He would like them to reject right things because he doesn't like the image of God. He doesn't like for a person to act like God would act. He hates God, and so he's against God. Then there's a second reason. He does not want your children to go to heaven, and he'll do all he can to keep them from that. And he knows that the only way to heaven is Jesus. And so the devil doesn't want your kids to come to Jesus, doesn't want any kids to come to Jesus, because he does not want them to go to heaven, and Jesus is the only way there. He knows that. And so if he can keep them away from Jesus, he can keep them away from heaven. And then there's a third reason. He does not want a child to come to know Jesus as their Savior, because if they do become to know Jesus as their Savior, if they come to Jesus in faith, then they will be someone who loves the person he hates. And there will be someone who will be who will be uh, uh, aware of who he is, and they'll tell others about him. And he doesn't want anybody anybody else believing in Jesus and telling the truth about him. He doesn't want that, so he wants to keep your children from Jesus. You just need to know this. All of us need to know this, that today and always, the devil is out to get kids, and he'll use the world and the flesh to do it, and he's doing it all the time. So what are we supposed to do to allow children to come to Jesus? This morning, I want us to look at five things that we can do to allow children to come to Jesus. First of all, we need to remember who they are. We've mentioned this already about their image, that they are made in the image of God, but also they are individuals that are planned by God. You see, the first command that God gave Adam and Eve, guess what it was? To have children. (laughs) To have children. Be fruitful and multiply. God told them to have children. Those children are made in God's image. They're very special to him. In Psalm 139, if you'll turn there with me, it's a wonderful psalm. But Psalm 139, verse 13 talks about the babe in the womb. It says in Psalm 139, verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, a poetic way of saying in the womb. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, God knew all about that child before it was ever born. God knew what he wanted that child to be. He he designed that child so that it would be exactly, have all the capabilities he wanted that child to have, and God has a plan for that child, And part of that plan is God made that child specially in his image to do his will. And and, uh, that's 
that's what the Lord wants. And so we need to be aware of who they are. They're special. They're made in the image of God. They're valuable to God and they're valuable to us. Psalm 122 says they're a heritage of the Lord. That's value to God. And then it says they're his reward to us. And so children are very valuable to God. But then we have to add this, as we've already mentioned, children, who they are, we must must, uh, uh, remember who they are. They're also sinners. And your children are sinners. My children are sinners. My grandchildren are sinners. They're all sinners. Psalm 5, verse 50, Psalm 51, verse 5 says, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That does not mean that the, that the act of, that caused conception was sin, but it means when they were conceived, they were conceived in sin. They, were, they had a sin nature. It was passed on from Adam, and so every child is born a sinner. Psalm, rather, Romans chapter 3 says, There is none righteous, no, not one, and that includes the child. So how are we going to allow children to come to the Lord? First of all, we must remember who they are. Secondly, we must recognize what they need. What, are the, what do children need? This is something that all of us can be a part of. What do children need? First of all, they need love. Children need to be loved. I'm sure you've seen it as I've seen it many times, children being treated by the parents in such a way in public that you know they're not loved like they should be. Children treated in a way that uh, they just, they're just in the way. And would you just, I would just, you know, that you get the idea that, that they wish the children weren't there. They're just in the way, and they're a bother. And the Lord says that we're to love our children. Titus chapter 2, verse 4 says, The aged women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands, and then this, to love their children. Mothers are to love their children. First responsibility of a mother is to love the child. I mean, to love that child. Love that child means that you put yourself second. It's not your occupation, not your goals and all of that. Those have their place, but the first thing is you're supposed to love that child. And so we recognize what they need. They, they need love. Also, they need discipline. Now, a couple Sundays ago, I shared with you the verses in Proverbs about discipline. Let's turn back to just a, one of those passages in Proverbs chapter 29. Sort of puts it in a nutshell. It says in Proverbs 29, verse 15, it says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. We all know that's true. You just leave a child to himself. What is that child? He's a sinner. <laughs> he has a sin nature. Leave him to himself. Which way will it go? Go the wrong way. You don't have to teach children to be bad. You have to teach them to be good. And so they'll go wrong naturally. And so he says, uh, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. He shall give delight unto thy soul. Children, what do they need? They need discipline. 
And so a child needs love, a child needs discipline, a child also needs protection. There are many attacks today upon the child, and we'll look at some of that a little bit later, but there are many attacks upon a child. And, uh, but a child, a child needs protection. And so the parent's responsibility is to love their child, discipline their child, and protect, protect their child, because the devil is out to get the child. And uh, you see a child, a teenager, going through trouble, you know, and they're rebelling, and they're doing things they shouldn't do. And you get so upset sometimes at what they are doing, but we need to understand that behind the scene, there's something else going on, and that is the devil has designs, and his design is to keep that child from Jesus and to ruin their life. That's what he wants to do. So there's an enemy. They have an enemy. They might know it, not know it, but you know it as a parent. They have an enemy, so they need protection. And then also they need salvation. Every child needs salvation. Acts 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, any other, for there is none other name given under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. So a child needs salvation. And what do we do to help bring that child to the Lord. They need the Lord. They need to come to Jesus. They need salvation. But what are we doing to provide that for them? And then there's another thing that we can do to allow children to come to Jesus. Remember who they are, recognize what they need, and then remove the obstacles that hinder. Remove the obstacles that hinder them coming to the Lord. You remember our text says that the disciples had saw people bringing uh, children to come to Jesus, and they wanted, uh, these, these parents wanted them to pray, him to pray for their children. And the disciples rebuked them. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, the disciples had this in mind that, oh, he's ministering to all these adults. He doesn't have time for these, these children. So they rebuked them for bringing the children to Jesus. Then Jesus said, forbid them not. Don't you forbid them to come. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, the Lord said something else. He told how serious it was for you to keep that child from Jesus. In Acts chapter 18, verse 6, and oh, that you could get this message to those who are trying to ruin and wreck kids' lives. Not that it would make much difference to them because they are so set on their own intentions. And there's so many people out there that today that would rather have a little bit of money than they would to protect a child. And so people are involved in the sex traffic today because of that. They're selfish. They're greedy. They don't care about children. But the Lord says this, And whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. The Lord says if you're going to offend a child, it would be better for you to have a big millstone. That's a big stone they used in grinding wheat and all. That big heavy millstone tied around your neck and then you'd be thrown into the sea and you would drown. You'd be better off to die now before, than, you, than to die later after you offend that child. God says this is serious business. And so what we need to do as parents is to remove the obstacles that hinder them coming to Jesus. Remove the worldly influence. You see, God gave us children in a hostile environment, and he expects us to protect them from the world. Parents are bigger than their children. 
so they're stronger. They're smarter than their children. Some teenagers don't think so, (laughs) but they are. They're smarter than their children, and they are wiser than their children. Wisdom comes from experience, and parents have wisdom, at least they should have. And so it's up to us to have these, these children that are in our care to make sure that we, that we provide for them what they need and remove the obstacles that hinder them from coming to Jesus, remove the worldly influence. You see, Christian parents know that the one that ch- the children really need to know is not that cool friend down the street or somebody else. The one they really need to know is Jesus and should be up to us to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're not dumb robots who know nothing about the world. We know about the world, and we know about the devil. The children don't know that yet, and it's up to us to protect them from these influences, protect them from the wrong influences of their friends. And, uh, you know, it's up to parents to protect your children from friends. And uh, we did that when our kids were growing up, try to keep them away from undesirable friends, warn them about those. And uh, it's so many times it's true, you'll hear parents say, well, they just got with the wrong crowd. The Bible says bad companions corrupt good morals. And uh, that's true. And so you have to keep them away from those friends so you protect them from wrong influence. You also protect them from the wrong information. I think it's a mistake for parents when the kids are too young to get them a phone and uh, to give them access through that phone to the Internet. How dangerous that is. If you give your child a phone, make sure you have a lot of restrictions on there because the devil is out to destroy that child. And what's his end goal? Keep them away from Jesus. And if he can keep them away from Jesus by using a phone or a computer, he will do that. And so we have to protect them from wrong information. Wrong information is coming over their phones. Wrong information is coming over the TV. Wrong information comes from their friends. Protect them from that wrong information. We also need to protect them from wrong images. Wrong images. Images come over the Internet. Make sure your kids don't see the wrong things. You know, one way you can make sure that they don't is to make sure you don't. (laughs) Make sure you don't. I'm 76 years old, and I have never once watched anything that would would be called the pornography on the Internet. Now, could I? Sure, I could. All I have to do is punch a certain button. I get these things, even on my phone. I told my wife the other day, I got this thing, I won't even tell you what it was. Just a text, you know, punch here. And, or or this, is, this is Karen, she'd like to talk to you. Well, I wouldn't dare punch that. I'd put delete. And, uh, and I get ready, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Now, if you as a parent are involved in that, then you're just setting your children up to see it as well. So one of the ways you can keep them seeing wrong images is make sure your devices don't have wrong images on them. Sometimes I'll give Barney my computer, 
to do some work on it. I have no problems giving him the computer. I don't have anything on there I want to hide. And so he can have the computer look at it, and he can try to fix my problem, and I don't worry about it because I haven't done anything with it. It's wrong. But you have to watch that. You protect your children from the images. That's true of the TV as well. There are programs your children should not watch. Usually when it says adult, that means it's not fit for kids or adults. When it says mature, it means that your kids are not mature enough to watch it, and neither are you, because there's no such thing as maturity in that sense. You know, just, and you just have to watch those images. Those images stay with their kids, and you have to watch and protect them from those images. Magazines you get in your home. Uh, do you have magazines you wouldn't want your kids to, to see? Well, you shouldn't have them. <laughs> protect your kids from images. So protect your kids from the influences, from the information, from the images, and then protect your kids from the wrong idols. You know, kids have wrong idols. Some music star will be their idol. And it'll be some girl that dresses provocative <laughs> and... Uh, and her, and her songs have immoral lyrics, and yet the kids will get so excited about this person. Do all you can to protect them from those idols. Warn them about those idols. Warn them that those are not good idols. Warn them that those are not people you want to emulate. Warn them about that. And uh, sometimes the, uh, Hollywood presents the thought that uh, these movie stars really know what love is. They don't know what love is. They've had broken marriages one after another. They don't know what love, true love is. And so protect them from those idols. Don't idolize those, those so-called idols in your talk. Don't talk as if they're somebody special. They're not. They're wrong idols. So protect your children from wrong idols. We must make sure that we remove the wrong influences that hinder the kids. Also remove the wrong religious influences. Now, religious influence in this passage was the disciples. I mean, they're followers of Jesus. But what were they doing? Trying to keep the kids away from Jesus. And so, and so today, there are some religious institutions that really are keeping kids away from Jesus. They sing about Jesus. They'll talk about Jesus. But if you look at the doctrine, the doctrine is not right. And sometimes those who preach it, we know their lifestyle is not right. They're greedy. They're, they're, they're in it for money. And then you find out they've had, they have immoral things in their life. Uh, just make sure that your children are not influenced in the wrong way by so-called religious people. That's why it's so necessary for you to have your child in a church that preaches the word of God and warns them about these things. And then you need to remove the wrong parental influence. Remove the wrong parental influence. So you're removing the hindrances that keep them from coming to Jesus. And one of the things is your parental influence. What do I mean by that? Well, make sure you're not a hypocrite. Make sure you're not a hypocrite. Make sure that the, that the parent the child sees at church is the parent the child sees at home. 
You don't put on your religious face and, you know, your old brother, old sister, you know, this, and then you get home and just the opposite. You're a hypocrite if you do that. If you're not the same at home that you are at, at church, then, then you're a hypocrite. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. And so remove that, that influence that would keep them from Jesus, the parents' hypocrisy. Also the parents' critical spirit. Now I know that this can be very damaging to a child. And that is, parents are very religious at church and they talk real nice and everything. They greet the pastor and, and then, at, then at dinner they have the preacher for dinner. <laughs> oh, you, you notice that tie he had on today? Boy, wasn't that crazy? <laughs> or, uh, you know, something about the message. I don't agree with him when he said that. And uh, you just have that critical spirit. Or maybe it's not the preacher. Maybe it's the brother or sister at church. And you get home and you're just talking about them all the time. And you're talking negative about them. And, uh, and you're just telling the bad things about them. And you have a critical spirit. Maybe it's not people at church even. Maybe it's just other. You're just talking about people all the time. Critical spirit. And uh, they see that in their parents. So how are you going to make them... How are you going to encourage them to come to Jesus if those things are hindering them? So you need to remove those hindrances. If you have ungodly habits, you need to remove those ungodly habits because they might keep them from Jesus. If you have pride, and they know you're very proud, and in the wrong way, and that will keep them from Jesus because Jesus says, humble yourselves. And so you have to make sure that you are what you should be if you're going to keep your children, if you're going to allow your children to come to Jesus. So, we've said remove the obstacles that hinder them. The next thing I'd like to mention is this. You need to reach them with the gospel. So you've remembered who they are. You recognize what they need. You remove the obstacles that hinder them and then reach them with the gospel. You see, that's so necessary. Now, if a parent, I mean, if you're a parent, you have children, but if your children uh, look up to you and they look up to you for direction, the number one thing in your mind for them for direction should be that you help this child come to know Jesus. You make sure they hear the gospel. You make sure they hear it at church. You make sure that it's emphasized at home. You make sure that they know that you want them to be saved. They know that, that uh, you have told them that they're a sinner and they need a Savior. And you've told them about Jesus. From the time they're little, you've told them about Jesus. And so you tell them about Jesus. Your desire is to reach them with the gospel because Jesus says, don't hinder them to come. Don't forbid them to come. And uh, so you're not forbidding them. You're doing all you can to bring them to Jesus so you tell them about Jesus. As a parent or as a grandparent, can you do that? I've said often, I'll say it again, if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you're truly saved, you can share the gospel. In fact, you know what it is because you have to know what it is. You have to know what it is to be saved. 
You have to know that you're a sinner. You have to know that sin demands a punishment. That's eternal death. You have to know that Jesus went to the cross and paid that price, and, and he shed his blood for us, that, that punishment for, for our sin. He paid that price. He took the wrath we deserve. You have to know that if you're, if you're a Christian because you have to believe that. And if you believe it, you have to know it. And then you have to know that Jesus was buried and he rose again the third day and that resurrection was proof that he had paid it all. You have to know that to be a true Christian. So if you're a true Christian, you have exactly what the kids need to bring them to Jesus. You need to tell them the gospel and you need to tell it clearly. Tell them about your salvation. Tell them how you were saved. Have your kids heard your testimony? Have your grandkids heard your testimony? Do they know how you came to know Jesus as your Savior? You need to tell them. And then tell them about death and hell. Tell them the reality of death, that, you know, death is coming to everybody. Tell them that after they die, there's two places. They can either go to heaven or they can go to hell. Some people say, I don't want to scare my kids. Well, if you can scare them and cause them not to go to to hell but to go to heaven, then scare them. Tell them the truth. Tell them how hell is so bad and tell them how, how God doesn't want them to go there and you don't want them to go there. But the only way to, to escape hell is to trust Jesus as your Savior and tell them that. Tell them the reality of death and hell. Some people even protect their children from the reality of death. Some parents uh, raise children, the children are grown, and they have never been to a funeral. Why? Because mom and dad wouldn't let them go. They wouldn't know how to handle it. Our kids went to funerals. Of course, I was a pastor, (laughs) but they went to funerals when they were real little. They'd walk up, and and we'd explain to them, you know, that that, uh, the person was dead, and we'd tell them about it. We didn't shield them from it. We let them know. Death is a reality. They need to know that. But much more important than that, they need to know about what's after death. And that is you'll either go to heaven or you go to hell, and if you go to heaven, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. And you've, you, as a parent, you've told them that, about that. And so you tell them about death and hell, and you tell them about uh, heaven, that is, and you tell them about Jesus, and you reach them with the gospel. And then the final thing I want to mention this morning is that once they've come to know the Lord, you rejoice in their salvation. I've known of parents who they're not really believing parents, but they'll, the kids will get saved and they'll go home and they'll tell their parents and the parents just slough it off. Don't encourage them. Don't get excited for them. If, if you're a, a saved parent, one of the things that should thrill your soul is when your child gets saved. And so when they get saved, when they come to know the Lord as, saved, as their Savior, rejoice in their salvation. The Bible says they brought the children of Jesus, and Matthew 19 says he laid his hands on them. And uh, Mark also says he took them up in his arms, he put his hands upon them and blessed them. And Mark says that the parents brought the children to Jesus so he would pray for them, and I just imagine when, as in that blessing them, he prayed for them. Jesus likes for kids to come to know Jesus as him as their Savior. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when a child comes to know Jesus. And the Lord told that 
that story, you remember, in Luke chapter 15. And it's, it's about the prodigal son. In Luke 15, uh, verse 20, it says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a, fa- a great white way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he is found. And then verse 32 says, And it was... It, it, it was meet that we should make merry, or it was the right thing for us to make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, he tells the older brother. This thy brother was dead, and he's alive again, was lost, and he's found. What were they doing? They was, he was rejoicing that his son came home. And we should rejoice when our children come to know Jesus as their Savior. So five things that we, need, we can do to allow children to come to Jesus. Remember who they are. Recognize what they need. Remove the obstacles that hinder. Reach them with the gospel. And then rejoice in their salvation. I'd like to read a poem this morning. Children are precious to Jesus. His image they clearly bear. He formed them in their mother's womb, and thus we know he cares. But from their parents they received a sin nature that will lead them far from God who loves them so and has everything they need. But Jesus died for all those sins, took God's wrath that they they would earn, then rose victorious from the grave that God's news they need, that's good news they need to learn. But Satan will use all his tricks. He'll lie and make sin look good and make them think if they follow him, their life will be all it could. Oh, no, no, that's just such a lie. He'll cause them to miss God's best. They'll miss God's purpose for their life and then at death, eternal rest. So who will tell them of Jesus? Parents, friends, neighbors, or you? They're all around us waiting to hear the gospel. That's true. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us as we try to emphasize the importance of children and making sure they are allowed to come to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that that in none of our lives there will be anything that will hinder kids. I pray that we will be helps to them, whether we're parents, grandparents, friends, neighbors, I pray that we will be involved in helping kids come to Jesus. For any children that are here today, Lord, help them to know Jesus loves them. As the song says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I pray they'll also understand the opposite of that, Lord, is the devil hates them. He'll do all he can to destroy their life, but Jesus loves them and wants to make them have a happy life a fulfilled life, and life at the end when they go to heaven, the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest. Lord, I pray for our kids. Help them to come to Jesus 
Help us to help them do that. We pray in Jesus' name.